Thank you for choosing to listen to the sermons of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. We meet at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. And if you're ever in our area, we would love to have you as our guests. If you live in our area, we would love to study the Bible with you. You can call us anytime to study a Bible study or just to gain more information at 205-486-9247. Also visit our website, 9thAvenueCofC.com or check us out on Facebook by simply searching for 9th Avenue Church of Christ. Now we hope you'll join us for a study of God's Word as we seek to follow Him each and every day from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. A little over three and a half years ago, I stood here for the first time as the pulpit minister, and for that Sunday, I chose a text from Joshua chapter 1. And I preached about how Moses, the leader of Israel, was gone, and how now Joshua, in a difficult time, led the people, but told them, be strong, be courageous, and God would be with them. And Joshua helped through those years. I am certainly not Joshua. I am certainly not the leader. But it's been an honor in my life to preach here these past few years and to see both those victories and, yes, sometimes defeats, but to see what can happen when we are courageous and we step out in faith and obey God. But times of transition lead to times of unease. I don't want to make this sermon about me, but I do want you to notice that our scripturing this morning came from that very same book, Just the very end of the book, Joshua chapter 24. Because as Joshua knew his time was short, he wanted to challenge the people. He wanted to speak from the heart, and he wanted them to move on in faith with God. And I believe that even though there have been some bumps in the road along the way, there have been far more successes here over the past several years than defeats. And God should get all the glory for that. But I want to ask us this morning and challenge us to see how Christians can sustain or maintain godly success. I hope you recognize the scripture reading this morning from Joshua 24, verses 14 and 15. I want to share with you this morning three things from that text. I'm not going to say anything this morning that you don't already know. And I've already told a couple people this is going to be the shortest sermon I've ever preached here. I'm going to do the best I can. But I want to share with you three things from that text this morning that show us how to sustain godly success through any time. Whether a time of transition, a time of joy, a time of victory, or even times there might be defeat. Number one, we must always serve God. In those verses that Brian read for us a few minutes ago, verses 14 and 15, Joshua used phrases like fear the Lord or serve the Lord or serve Him five different times. It is obvious that that is the emphasis of the passage. But what does it mean when Joshua says to fear the Lord and to serve Him or serve the Lord? First of all, he told them to fear the Lord. And that carries with it the idea of having reverence for God. Yes, there are times in our lives where we should have what we sometimes think of as a fear of God, especially if we are not living in a faithful way. And the children of Israel throughout Joshua had seen those times every so often when they were not faithful. And they needed to fear the Lord as we often think of it. But more than that, it carries with it the idea of a reverence, an awe for God. And when you consider all of those people that Joshua was speaking to had seen, that certainly should have been their mindset. They had seen the walls of Jericho fall down flat. They had seen Achan killed, his family killed, for sinning against God and trying to cover it up. 
They had seen victory after victory when they were faithful to God, but at times they had seen defeat when they did not follow God's plan. And so Joshua was calling them by saying, fear the Lord, to a true reverence and a true awe in God. But then he told them multiplied times in those verses to serve him, serve the Lord. The word for serve means exactly that. It means to serve, but it carries with it the idea of serving that requires work. It requires toil. Joshua was telling the people not just to give some kind of lip service, not just to nod their head in agreement and say, yes, we need to serve the Lord, but to realize that serving God fully takes work. But how do they do that? Well, if you read those verses carefully, God reminds them not just to serve the Lord. He shows them how to serve the Lord. He shows them to serve the Lord in sincerity. The word translated sincerity means holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. It also literally means without blemish. The idea behind the word is that we are to serve God with integrity. God will not accept just lip service. God will not accept us just nodding our head in agreement with what a leader says and then going along our merry way and doing what we want to do. God expects us to serve Him with our all, to be people of integrity in our service. We can do all the good works we could possibly do and we can make certain that our worship is all in teaching with what the New Testament says, and we should. But if there's not a sincerity, if there's not an integrity behind it, that's not what God requires. That's why Jesus would say the first commandment is to love God with everything you have, your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you want to be a success before God, be fully His. Serve Him with integrity. And then Joshua says to serve God in faithfulness. The King James Version has in truth. And that may seem strange that those translations are that different, faithfulness and truth. But the reason they're that different It's because the original Hebrew word can mean either thing. And here's why. The word actually means something that is reliable. Something that is sure. And the truth is always reliable. It is always sure. But think for a moment. Joshua was telling the people to serve God, if you will, in a reliable way. A way that's consistent. A way that's stable. And we're talking about how to sustain or maintain godly success. That's exactly what Joshua told the people to do. He told them that you stay true to God's purposes. You have a reverence for God. You fear Him. And then you work fully and as people of integrity, completely and consistently to His glory. That's how, that's how you maintain godly success. Step one, serve God. Step two, remove Falsehood. The middle of verse 14 contains this declaration from Joshua. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt. Now, the overall emphasis is on putting them away. We'll get to that in just a moment. But I want you to notice something else quickly that Joshua does in listing those places. Did you notice he listed a couple of different places? The, the obvious one is Egypt. That, that's what we know from Old Testament history just constantly throughout the, the Old Testament text. And it brings to mind that the problems that the children of Israel had that they faced in the land of Egypt, but then also they continually faced because of their own struggles while in the wilderness, fame, infamously, It brings to mind, of course, the golden calf that Aaron made under the uh, trickery, if you will, or the leadership of the people. But many have said that over the years that even though the children of Israel left Egypt, Egypt never really left the people. 
They were always drawn back in some ways to what had happened there. And that may be a reason why then Joshua said to put away the gods that are beyond the river. That's not the Nile River. That's the Jordan River. In other words, it seems that Joshua was saying that the people had struggled even with what they saw among the people groups that they had conquered when they went into the promised land. They had driven many of them out and defeated many others, killed many others, but so many of them were pagan. And because Egypt never left them, there may have been a draw to some of these pagan practices that they had seen now beyond or over the river, even in the promised land. Probably Joshua was simply pointing out that for whatever reason, this draw towards idolatry had been with these people for a generation or more, and really more than that. And he's warning them to remember that's part of their history. But the emphasis is not just on the false gods and where they came from. It's on the command itself. Because Joshua did not tell them, remember that there were false gods in Egypt. Or remember that there were pagan gods beyond the river. But he told them to put them away. Literally, the phrase is, turn aside from those false gods. Is it not at least possible that the reason Joshua gave that command is because there was still some of that thinking among some who were hearing him speak on that day. Whether that's the case or not, Joshua was making it clear that those people would not be successful in the eyes of God if they were trying to, if you please, live a double life and were trying to hold on to some of those pagan ways while giving lip service to God or even following some of the, the ordinances of God, but still their mind was back with some of those pagan gods. And I doubt if any of us in this room this morning would struggle with worshiping some false graven carved image. But can we not sometimes struggle with putting something in the place of God as the primary place of our life? We often talk about how a false God does not have to be something that's carved. A God, a false God, is anything that comes between us and God. It could be that we trust in the God of money or wealth or the God of pleasure or the God of position in society or any other, any other thing that we see that gives us some kind of big need in our life. In reality, you wouldn't be here on a Sunday morning if you did not know that God was the only one who can truly provide for you. But maybe sometimes at various aspects of our lives, we struggle with that in practice. So we put away falsehood, but you have to replace it with something. You replace falsehood with truth. How do we know who is the true God? How do we know what is truth? And Jesus gave that answer in John seventeen seventeen, where he said to God in a prayer, your word is truth. If you want to sustain godly success, you have to stick with the book. You have to never waver from it, for whether it's a, whether it's a graven image or just some idea or, or some concept that draws us away from God. We have to stick with the book because that's where truth is. If we don't fully trust what God has said in the Bible, we are inviting falsehood into our life because we'll start to seek some type of purpose, ultimate purpose, in something else. We must remove falsehood. You want to maintain, sustain godly success? Step one, serve God. Step two, put away falsehood. And step three is very personal. You have to make a personal determination. I love the statement of faith and leadership and determination that Joshua makes. But I also love that he reminds the people that it's in their own hands, their personal hands, to do what's right. Wednesday night in our gospel meeting, John Deberry kind of set the scene for verse 15 of this chapter. 
Where the verse begins, if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. And then Joshua would list a couple of regions the people would have known about for those regions, false gods and so forth. But notice that Joshua makes it clear this is in their hands. He was speaking to the entirety of the people, the nation, if you will. But in some ways, he was also speaking to them individually. Each person, each family had a choice to make the ability to choose is one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given to us. But we need to remember that every gift God gives to us is something that we are to steward, to manage for His glory. And that includes the gift He has given us to choose. We can choose unwisely. God has given us that choice. We can choose unrighteousness. God has given us that choice. Now, He's told us what will happen if we make that choice, but He's given us that choice. Do we steward, manage our ability to choose To serve him. And with that, Joshua gives the great statement of faith. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you break down what Joshua is saying there, in reality, what he is saying is, if everybody else that I'm speaking to, Joshua is speaking to the nation. If everyone else standing there on that day chose to to worship one of those false gods or a multiplicity of them or continue to try to have it both ways, Joshua is saying that makes no difference to me. Because as for me and my house, we're going to serve Jehovah. We're going to hold to the ways of God. It is one of the greatest declarations of faith found anywhere in the Bible. We sometimes put it on pillows or plaques on the wall, and that's wonderful. But we've got to remember where it comes from. Because it is a declaration of full, unfiltered faith. It is a a statement that should resonate with us in a society that seems to be going further and further away from God, sometimes seemingly daily. So how do you sustain godly success? It starts with a determination that no matter what the culture, no matter what the community, and frankly, no matter what anybody else may say or do, God is going to come first. In a culture that says, you do your thing and I'll do my thing and we'll all end up in heaven together one day. Me and my house are going to stand for the truth and hold the fact that Jesus really died for one church and really laid down one plan in the New Testament. But in reality, that same concept is true in every arena of our life. As for me and my house, that should be true. But could we not apply that across the board in the Christian life? Should this statement not be true of elders? As for us and this congregation, we will serve the Lord. As a Christian business owner, where I work and the people I lead, I'm going to show them the Lord. And we can make the the application across the board, could we not? But it starts with a personal determination. We cannot make this decision when we're in the heat of battle and trying to figure out what's going on. I need to make that decision now. As for Adam, Leah, Mary, Carol, and Turner, we will serve the Lord. And you need to make the same determination for yourself and your home, your family. It's the start to sustaining godly success. Joshua finishes his great speech. We don't know how long it is between when Joshua gives the speech and when the book of Joshua begins to wind down and Joshua passes away. But Joshua's life and example and the speech he makes at some point near the end of his life make a massive difference. Because if you're in Joshua 24, notice what verse 31 states. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua and had known all the work that the Lord did for Israel. 
Did you notice something embedded in those passages? Joshua is the example. Joshua sets the the tone here. The people serve through his lifetime and the leaders. But who got the credit? God did. God did. The works that God had done for Israel. When any good is done, God deserves all the credit and glory. And when we transition in life, or even when we transition from this life to our eternal life, Our prayer should be that someone says of us, you know, I I remember him or I remember her, but, you know, more than that, I remember the God that they serve because they held true to him constantly, no matter what. When God is at the center of it all, when God is given the credit for every good and every perfect gift, that's when we sustain godly success. We serve him. We remove anything that's false. And we make a determination. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But it's up to me to choose. Joshua looked at the people on that day and said, Choose you. Who are you going to serve? We called our lesson this morning, How to Maintain or Sustain Godly Success. If you were to go to the bookstore and pick up a business book about success, you probably wouldn't see these principles there. And that's okay. But folks, I don't care about having business success primarily or anything else. I care about having godly success. But I must choose. You must choose. Choose you this day who you will serve. Will it be the gods that are around us, the idols that are around us of money and wealth and fame and power and prestige? Or will you say, as for me, as for my house, we will serve the Lord. It's time for you to choose as we stand. And as we sing.